Welcome to Crosspoint Conversations, a podcast where we discuss cultural and theological questions from a biblical worldview. Each week we take your questions and discuss what the Word of God has to say about them. You can submit questions to podcasts at crosspointpgh.org. The views discussed in this podcast may not always represent the views of Crosspoint Church. Well, we are back for another Crosspoint Conversation, and we have a very, very good question uh, today. And if you have a very good question to send in, and I can't qualify what very is, you'll have to decide whether you think your question is very good. But please send it to podcast at crosspointpgh.org. That's our email to receive all questions, and we'd love to try to answer it on a podcast. The question today comes from a, a young man. He says, what exactly is the Old Testament law, and how does it differ from the New Covenant? And then he goes on to say, in essence, to paraphrase, how does the Old Testament law apply to our life as Christians? And I think it's really powerful stuff, and much deeper than we're going to talk about it. We've just spent, I don't know, guys, an hour and a half talking about uh, the law and how it applies to Christians and how we ought to view it and all that, and... And we've probably muddied up the waters more than we cared to, um, but our intentions are good. So, but we're going to try to be very simplistic in answering this question. So, let me begin by giving you kind of the thirty thousand foot view of the law in the New Testament. And what I mean by that is, when the New Testament refers to the law, it oftentimes, based on the context, is referring to uh, three parts or. Uh, three ideas concerning the Old Testament. First of all, it could mean that the Old Testament itself is entirely the law of God, because when God speaks, even through prophets, he's laying down precepts and so on. And so some view the, the law as being the whole Old Testament, and based on the context, that might be very true. Or it could be the first five books of the Bible, oftentimes referred to as the Pentateuch, And when it's spoken about in the New Testament, sometimes it's about those five books. And then finally, it could be about the Mosaic Law received on Mount Sinai, which we would think first and foremost about the Ten Commandments. And so when we're talking about the law in the New Testament, and as it's referred to by the writers of the New Testament, it's those three areas. It's either all of the Old Testament, the first five books, or... Uh, the Mosaic Law, including especially the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. And thinking about when God gave uh, the law to Israel, traditionally, uh, it's, it's pretty generally believed that they, he gave the law in three different ways, uh, commonly known as the ceremonial law, the civil law, and the moral law. The first is the ceremonial law, and there's a helpful article I'll read here. It says, this type of law related to Israel's worship. The laws pointed forward to Christ Jesus and were no longer necessary after Jesus' death and resurrection. Though we are no longer bound to them, the principles behind the ceremonial laws uh, still apply to to worship God, and they still apply to us. So these are the laws that had to do with animal sacrifice, offering of incense and grain. We obviously no longer do these things, uh, but we do remember Christ as our sacrifice. We still take communion uh, remembering uh, the the Passover or what 
what Christ did for his people, now through the lens of Christ, remembering what Christ did through his redemption. Um, the civil law dictated Israel's daily living. So these were more laws that had to do with uh, your interactions to your neighbors uh, or those in Israel. But uh, culture and society are, are obviously radically different from what they were. Um, and, and when Christ died and was resurrected, these laws were uh, also eradicated uh, with that. Uh, and so again, the, the principles behind these commands we can still use to, to guide our conduct today, but these laws no longer apply to us. And then lastly, the moral law, um, they were direct commands of God. And a good example um, of this is the Ten Commandments. Uh, and the moral law reveals the nature and the will of God. And this still applies to us today. We don't obey the moral law as a way to obtain salvation, but we li- uh, but to live in a pleasing way to God. Um, and any anything uh, pertaining to the to the moral law or the Ten Commandments, like in the New Testament, Christ talks about if you commit if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery with her. Uh, and so the Ten Commandments don't explicitly say that, but Jesus expounds the law. So anything pertaining to the Ten Commandments would be moral law. Yeah, and, and so as we think of the, the second part of that question, I, I think it's really interesting, Seth, as, as you were talking about the moral law, um, the second part of that question is, which of the Old Testament law must we still obey while trusting in the new covenant uh, of Jesus Christ? And I, I think what's interesting is, is that the parts of the of the moral law that we need to obey were reiterated by Jesus Christ, as you said in the Sermon on the Mount and in other places of the Scripture. In fact, he was asked, what is the greatest commandment, Matthew chapter 22, and verse 37, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And so really, if we wanted to summarize, and and Jesus didn't make that up. He's quoting from a passage in Deuteronomy there. And so this is part of the Old Testament law, but Jesus institutes this as part of the new covenant saying, if you want to summarize all of the commandments, all of the moral law, everything that 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 you are to do and how you're to live your life, you can summarize it in two ways. Love God, love others. And that's not the only place that he says it. He says in John 13, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so as we look at that, you know, you mentioned, Seth, the Ten Commandments. If you look at loving God and loving others, the first four commandments directly relate to loving God, and the last six commandments relate to our love uh, for others. And I think Paul, uh, in his book in, in Galatians, uh, you know, the church at Galatia was a church that was really struggling with how to, uh, wrestling really through this question in a lot of ways. How are we to um, govern our lives and how are we to live um, uh, not enslaved to the law, but still living lives that are honoring to God and kind of walking that 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 tension in that that line that we find in, in Scripture and in the New Covenant. And Paul brings a lot of clarity because in one sense, Galatians 5.1, he says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. 
Stand firm, therefore, do not again submit to a yoke of slavery. And we know that yoke of slavery, in the context there, he's talking about the law. Don't submit yourself to the, the to be a slave of the law. And yet, in that same chapter, just 13 verses later, he says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In that Greek, there is, is logos. One logos, one word. You shall love, agape, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so I think the theme that we see coming through this is what's our responsibility as believers, as new covenant believers in the covenant of Jesus Christ? What laws are we to obey? Well, there's really only one law that we're to obey, and that's love. And out of that love, love for God, love for one another, flows a life that is um, honoring to the principles of God's law and to all the things that we find in Scripture. Somebody said that you've got um, two extremes, legalism and licentiousness, you know, and, and um, those, those two, and right in the middle of it, you find love. So to complete the uh, alliteration there, um, it's not legalism. It's not freedom to do whatever we want, um, to be licentious. Thank you. <laughs> licentious in, um, in our actions, but it's to love one another and to love God. Amen. An example of just what you're talking about in Exodus, when God's laying out some of the civil laws for Israel, he, he talks about if you borrow a donkey or an animal from your neighbor and it dies of a natural cause— then the owner of that donkey can't make restitution. But if it's stolen under your care, uh, or if you're responsible for its death, the owner can make restitution. So uh, kind of in in the same way, if you think about borrowing uh, a lawnmower from your neighbor, if you borrow that lawnmower and and it dies, and it's destroyed under your care, you, you should probably buy him a new mower. That would be a pretty good principle of love. Um, but if you rent that mower... And it and it breaks, then that's uh, that's covered under the rental agreement. Um, and so, as as I said earlier, we kind of get some of these principles from uh, the civil law that God laid out uh, for Israel because they just make sense. This is how you love your neighbor. Yeah. So try to trying to wrap this up now in the New Testament. Um, we're told about the new covenant coming in Jeremiah thirty one. And that the law would be written on our hearts now, and that we would have the Holy Spirit. And so that's a very important component component of all this. But I think the thing to remember is what Christ said in Matthew 5, when starting at verse 17, he said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law. In other words, the law is really good, guys. Or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Why? Because we couldn't. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished, meaning all that Christ can accomplish on our behalf. And so when Hebrews teaches in chapter 8 that the old covenant uh, has been made obsolete because of the better covenant of Jesus Christ, it's simply saying the old covenant was to be kept by God's people. They couldn't do it. The new covenant will be kept by God's people because Jesus did it for us and then sent the Holy Spirit to us 
to put the law on our hearts, and then we start obeying the law, not to be saved, but because we are new creatures in Christ. And so it could be a very confusing and long, drawn-out topic, but in the end, let us agree we praise the Lord that he fulfilled the law for us because we couldn't do it. Even Paul says, I delight in the law. I mean, he really loved the law, but he realized in the end he couldn't fulfill it because he coveted and all that kind of stuff. So, But he thanks Christ for doing it for him, and that unleashes this freedom you talked about, Andrew, to live for Christ not in sin, but walking more and more away from sin through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the law is good, but we couldn't fulfill it, so Christ did it for us. And we are obligated to follow the moral aspect of the law because it represents the very character of God. Amen? Amen. We good? And so, again, write your questions. We'd love to try to answer them. And uh, look forward to spending our next time together uh, a couple weeks from now, gentlemen. God bless you all. Mm-hmm.